Good morning, City Life Church. Grateful to have one more Sunday. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here, all of you. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Pedro Reese, and I'm the lead pastor here at City Life. Grateful that you've joined us. If you are here today first time, or if you've been coming and hiding in the chat box, or not in the chat box at all, we just want to say hi. We want to connect with you. So say hi in the chat or click that I'm new button. We just want to have a way to connect with Jersey City, with anyone who comes through our doors, because we are passionate about being home with everyone that's here. So I'm Pedro Reese. I'm the lead pastor. Grateful for another day for us to worship Jesus together. And today, I want to do things a little bit differently. I want to start, uh, I want to just to like reveal a bit more about myself. And one way I love to do that is through pictures. And so here's picture number one, picture of me, wide-eyed, big-cheeked, little baby boy. I, man, leading experts, AKA my grandma said that I was the most beautiful baby that was ever born. And I kind of tend to agree with her. I mean, just look at those beautiful cheeks and eyes. And uh, I don't know what has happened since I've grown up, but man, I was a looker when I was about this. My sweet spot was about, you know, one day old to probably like two years old. And then it's been downhill from there, but look at those cheeks, pretty cute. And then picture number two, is a picture that I chose because it just, I feel like it encompasses so much of me growing up. That I was always sweating, always red because I was running around all the time. If my parents gave me an inch, if church was done, if dinner was done, we were running. Me and my brother and our friends, we were running all the time. I feel like 90% of my life was lived with the red cheeks because I was just always running. And so my parents did a great job of keeping us clean. Brazil, on average, is the country that showers the most in the whole world. And so we showered every day, but man, I was always just so sweaty from running around. And then picture number three has almost nothing to do with today's sermon. I just had to flex on everyone that, yeah, your pastor is an elephant tamer, an elephant rider that I just needed. This is 100% a power play on anyone here in this church listening to me. Yeah, I've been on an elephant before. Yeah, like I'm kind of impressive, you know. I've tamed wild elephants as a kid, and so don't mess with me. This is 100% a power play. <laughs> I hope you know you're, I'm kidding. And then this is picture number four. We all know that even the cutest of us have that awkward phase growing up that at this point researchers were contacting my parents about how large of, a, of teeth can a one boy have. This was the same time that the kids in my school would pick on me and called me Bucktooth Beaver. And so no one, absolutely no one has permission in this church to call me that. But this is me growing up. This is how I was as a kid. Today we're going to be preaching about children and parents. We're going to be talking about all of us as, as little kids and what it meant to grow up and the purpose of a home that all of our homes are made for being a nurturing place for us to know the Lord. I pray that this sermon series has been uh, helpful and eventful in your life, in your faith with Christ. I pray that it has been nourishing to you, that it's been more than one of the things I fear the most is that we just, that most of us forget anything about the sermon before we even leave church or now leave the, uh, the text or the chat. And I pray that this series has been 
nourishing to you and your spirit to know that life with Christ is different, that it is possible to go after the things that we dream about. And today we continue to talk about our last thematic section, which is new relationship. We've covered the new life. I've summarized this almost every week. I'm sure some of you guys are tired of it, but we've talked about new life. I am fundamentally a new creature, a new person when I come to know Christ because everything of value in me came from him putting it in me. And then we also talked about the church, his new society, how if we're changed, then God loves his church. He died to bring the world, his church, his body, to collect all of his kids to him that he wants all to be a part of the church and that none shall perish. And so this society, this new society, is God recreating humanity, ushering in his kingdom one heart at a time. And then we talked about new measures. I, my life has to evidence that I believe in this. There has to be signs of change, of growth. I can't be the same person I was a month ago. I can't be the same person I was 10 years ago because there's so much more to life with Christ. And now we're talking about new relationship. Saying, God, not only am I new, not only am I in your society, not only is my life evidencing you and changing me, Lord, I now need you to come and redeem and restore every layer, every level of human relationship, and every level of intimacy with other people. I think that one of the most foundational things about being created in God's image is that we are social beings, relational beings, personal beings, just like our God is. And so, like, Lord, come and redeem. Like, how practically is there any other area that needs more redemption in my life and then how I interact with people or how I've been hurt by people in the past? Like, God, I need you to come and redeem my past so that my future makes sense and is clear and beautiful and vibrant, just like I believe this life for you this life that you called me into has. And so I'm in this point in my life where I'm like, Lord, I need you to redeem my relationships because I want to miss out on no blessing in this life. I don't want to settle for anything less in this world. I don't want to miss out on any spiritual experience. I don't want to realize in 10 years, in two years from now, in five years from now that I've been asleep again. Like, no, Lord, give me this vibrancy and I think one of the reasons why the reason why Ephesians goes to relationship for this vibrancy is because it's one of the clearest areas that we can see change, that we can experience God's healing, that when we see God actually do things and bring things back from the dead in our lives and restore past painful experiences and give us a testimony that will help someone for the future. And the same, like all of this is sign like, wow, God is real. He's actually doing all these things. And so I pray that as we talk about new relationship, God brings people to your heart and your mind to show you where you still need to be healed. And so we're going to start that process today. We continued it last week, and we're going to talk about it today as we talk about, I think, the second most intimate relationship you, humans can have with one another, which is children and parents. And before we just jump in, let's pray so that the Holy Spirit is with us, journeying with us, taking care of, of our emotions, of our past, of our pains, and also of the things that we love and cherish about our past. And so please pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for just how marvelous you are. Thank you that you just so perfectly know how to care for us, 
so perfectly know how to walk us down a path of not only just finding you, but then once we do, of growing with you and having new, vibrant life with you. Please empower us, Holy Spirit. I invite you into the preaching of this word, into the hearing of this word, into the processing of this word, so that something useful is produced in our lives, that we start a process of healing today that uh, we can carry with us for the rest of our lives. And so, Lord, I pray this blessing over all of us. Be with us. Let us not go forward if you are not with us. I pray all these things in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Amen, church. So today, not only are we in our last thematic section of Ephesians, but we are also starting the last chapter of Ephesians has been many weeks building up to this point. Remember that every sermon I preach is because of what came before it. And so take, let's remember all of God's beautiful promises as now we start reading about children and parents. And God's word says this, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen, church. I One of the things that I think uh, is kind of unfortunate about this passage is that we read it and we miss how revolutionary, how impactful, how radical this was for Paul to put this on paper, for the Holy Spirit to inspire him in such a way. Part of it is societal and part of it is uh, scriptural, right? That we belong to a God who over and over and over again in the New Testament and in the Old Testament tells his people to care for children, to care for the vulnerable, to care for the weak in society, to build them a place, to build them a home, for them to have a place to stay with you. And the reason why that is just so radical is because the ancient world had no provision for kids, that our holy scripture, that in it, that we have this God who cares, right, for the vulnerable, for the orphans, for kids, for their rights, for their worth, for their value, that we have a savior who came and said, you know what, don't keep the kids from me. Let them come to me. The creator of all things wanted the little precious kids and babies with him. Is so special and so counter the ancient world. It's incredible. We have like, we grow up at least getting a lot more than the ancient world did about respecting kids, building them places, right? We still have crazy, unfortunate, sad things like abortion, right? But by and large, our societies value kids, and the ancient world had none of this. The Roman world, the Greek world, the Jewish, even the Jewish world had such a low view on kids. And we see one of the really fascinating things about the spread of the gospel over the course of the centuries is that one of the ways that the gospel can be tracked is because wherever the gospel went, there was a societal focus on building two things, that every time Christianity and the gospels of Jesus Christ went to a new area, schools and hospitals were built. The hospitals to care for the sick and the dying and schools to value kids and raise them up 
that everywhere the gospel went, these two things started to pop up is just so fascinating for us to think. And of course, humans did this, so it was never perfect. Schools were often used to imperialize, but just the idea of that and the, the beauty in that is, man, that wherever the gospel went, care for children went with it. So we take for granted that kids have value, but that is a taught thing that the world learned from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today, the, the big idea for today, when we're talking about children and parents, the big idea is this, that the purpose of the family, all of human relationship, but in our direct context right now, the purpose of the family, taking last week and this week into account, the purpose of the family is to nourish one another towards God, towards salvation, and then towards intimacy. Once you have found salvation, then intimacy to go deeper. That God's call in parenting is to provide a loving, respecting household for a child to flourish in, for a child to be who God made them to be, and then also to know their God. And so let's start with our first point. Today we only have two. Let's talk to the children out there. Let's read verses 1 to 3. The majority of today is focused on the children. And so God's Word says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So last week, we talked about the reciprocal submission between a, a husband and a wife, right? How God is never meant controlling, domineering to be a part of the equation, but we are fallen people. And so that has often been the case, not always, but many, many, many millions of marriages over the years. And then we turn to this, this relationship with parents and kids. And God, once again, God rightfully sows rightfully so, issues authority on where it should be. That parents have the authority in this relationship, right? That kid, you spend five minutes with the kid and you realize, okay, I cannot give you uh, any real sort of authority in this life because man, that would, I mean, we would be eating lollipops for every meal and we would never go to sleep and just be crying and fighting all the time. But the call here to children, listen to this because we are all children is to obey and honor. Obey and honor. God's hope for the house is that they're nourishing children to know who their God was and to live this life, an appropriate Christian life in whichever context it finds itself in. And so Paul anchors this authority, the authority for children to listen and respect and honor their parents in three ways. We'll just, we'll just say these quickly. This isn't the crux of today. But the first one is natural law. Right here in verse 1, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. It is so interesting to me, sociologically and anthropologically, that one of the most universal truths in all of human societies, honestly, like with the exception of such a few amount of cultures that have ever been discovered, almost universally, perhaps the most universal social phenomena is that parents in every society have authority over kids. It's, and we call it natural law, right? That's just the way it is. It's written on the human heart. 
such a small amount of cultures have ever gotten this backwards or had more of equality in terms of authority and saying what's good and bad, right? And having say over their culture. And it's such, it's one of the most universally agreed upon things that parents, adults are the ones that control society. And this is good. This is good. This is what God meant. He, God wrote this on the human heart. It's part of natural law. It's how we care for people who are just not even physically developed yet to know and understand to provide care and nourishment. It's, it's part of natural law. The second thing that Paul anchors this in is in revealed law. Verses 2 and 3 are quoting from the Old Testament, what God was teaching and building the, the family, the family that he loved in society. He loved the family that worked best on a societal level. Not that he decided, but he loves, he loves all family. Honor your father and mother straight out of Exodus, the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. And then verse 3, straight out of Deuteronomy, uh, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. God's saying, you know what, when, when societies are ordered properly, parents are the authority over their kids. They watch over them. They care for them. It's not like the Roman society, the Greek society that like would just throw a baby out. Literally, a parent had every right to kill their kids at any point, even just out of convenience and even just to make divorce easier. God's like saying, no, this is not good. This is not what I want. This part of natural law that parents should be over their kids to care for them, to love them. But it's also revealed law because God in his word is always looking out for those who are vulnerable. And God's saying, love your kids, love your kids. We'll dive into that a little bit more. But a child's role in the equation is not to have authority over their parents, but to obey and honor to look up to their parents, because for many of us, our parents are the first signs, are the first embodiment of God. And so we look and I had awe as kids over our parents. And then the last anchor, the last thing that Paul ties this into is, is gospel-y based, is gospel-based. Here, verse one again, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, in the Lord, that we look at the example left by Jesus. And Moy, Moy, one day, I promise we are going to preach on uh, Second Adam theology because this also ties into that. But like Christ never did his ministry until his baptism. God, Jesus never started his public ministry until he was baptized. When the father's voice rang out for all to hear, this is my son and I love him. Listen to him. And then from that point on, we'll, we'll throw these up on the screen so that you have them. Jesus over and over, John, the, the Gospel of John, got this so powerfully because he said it so many times over and over and over again. Jesus did, said, I'm only doing or saying what I see my Father doing. Jesus models this obedience to the Father, this honoring of the Father so perfectly like he embodies everything else. And so John 5, 19, John 5, 30, John 8, 28, John 12, 49, John 14, 10, all have some element of Jesus saying, you know what, I'm only doing what I see my father doing. I'm only doing what he's told me to do. I'm, I'm only listening to him and then doing the same thing to you. And so uh, this like an appropriate Christian life is listening to our father, our heavenly father, but also listening to our, our biological parents, listening to them, honoring them. And so that, that raises two questions. Two questions. If this is going to be practical, we have to answer these two questions. They're so 
important in how we figure out how to continue to do that because I'm a 34-year-old man. I don't think I have to be obeying my parents with everything that they tell. I'm sorry, mom and dad, I love you guys. But uh, I'm not going to be listening and obeying. So like, how do we figure this out? How do we wrestle with all of this? First question here, is this command unconditional? And question number two, what, when am I done being a child? So let's tackle question number one first. Is the command unconditional? You know, a, a parallel passage in Colossians, Colossians 3.20, Paul writes that kids, children, obey your parents in everything. And Paul doesn't exactly go there. Here he gives us more room to wrestle with this. And we're like, okay, like, what? until what point do I obey my parents? Not when, until when, that's the second question. Until what? And I think very clearly with the rest of scripture, we know that like if my parents, when I'm a child, up until the point that they make me not follow Christ, not obey to him as my Lord, anytime a parent tries to Lord over their kids in a way that only God was meant to, then I have to say to my, my biological parents, like, no, I can't do that. My, me following Christ does not allow me to do that. Me obeying his commands does not allow me to do that. And then I choose God over even my parents, but oh, that's so difficult. And at what point do you do that? And I think there's so many parts of culture, interaction with culture and expectations that we might, some of us, jump to that conclusion way too soon and say, you know what, I can't do this. Uh, even, and then we forget to obey our parents, that as kids, as children, we're called to obey and so there are some things in life that I, I, it's not a clear answer, but you have to wait or it, that's not impeding your ability to follow Christ. And so wait. And then there are areas when you just have to, like, I have to leave the house because I can't, I can't. If my dad is telling me to stop worshiping Jesus or get out, I have to get out. And so this is tough. The loyalty to God is, is primary. And then the second question of, when am I done being a child? I was like, Lord, one of my struggles as a young adult was I, don't, I still feel like a kid. It had nothing to do with my parents. It was all an internal process. Like, when am I going to be an adult? And a lot of that is culture. And, and geez, in the Roman world, the pater, the father, ruled and lord over his kids until his final breath. That mean I could be a 34-year-old adult, married man with two kids, and if my dad told me to do something, I would be bound by culture and law to obey him, do what he told me to do. Till the, his very last breath, I was his son. And today, that's, again, this is like a place for wrestling, right? Because even, even in our different cultures, right? I am a Brazilian who grew up in the U.S., and Western culture, I'm like, okay, I, at the, I turn 18 and I become an adult. Some, some kids are adults way before they ever turn 18 because of circumstance. And some are like 25 or 30 and still the pretty childlike. And like, okay, God, when, do, like, when does this stop? When does the call to obey stop? And when do I just honor my parents? And scripture is not super clear on this. Because God knows we're social beings. That God, Acts 17 says that he puts us in the exact circumstances of our lives because we will best seek him. And so if I'm in a Western culture and the whole point, generally speaking, the whole point is to be 18, 
be independent, to never rely on my parents again, to get out of the home, to never go back, which isn't, which isn't horrible, maybe, um, if it's filled with love. But like, if that's the point and if breaking from the nuclear family is like the ultimate goal and then how, like, how do I continue to honor my parents and that? And for us, those of us who come from Eastern cultures and we're like, man, does the family ever end? Does, there's no emphasis on the nuclear family, but on the whole family. And so, man, how am I going to juggle all of this? I'm starting to get my own kids or I want my own kids, but I'm still my parents' kids. And so... When do I stop listening? When do I have to stop obeying? And when do I just honor? And the question is like, what Ephesians continues to point us to is to be Christian, Christ-like in everything. To honor the story that God has given you, the cultures that you've interacted with, and be like, Lord, rely on God to speak to me. When, when do I stop obeying? When do I just honor? Because there does come a point when that happens. One of my favorite things, one of my favorite little nerdy nuggets about Jesus's story is that it says that he was about the age of 30 when he started. And many of us just think, and we don't know that there's like a social context behind that. We just think, okay, he was 30, he's about 30. Okay, so he was 30, he died when he was 33. That's not necessarily the case because the term about 30 was more of a social term than it was saying that he was 30 that the term meant that he had finally finished off paying his duties to his earthly father, that he had farmed with him enough, that he had supported his dad enough, and that, that now he was free to go and claim his own bride, his own wife, and build his own family. And so even in that, there's, there is this time when my duty to obey my parents ends, but then I, every breath of my life is to honor my parents. And so like, oh goodness, when does it end? And I'm not sure to give you a clear answer, but at some point it does. No matter which culture you're part of, at some point you transition to only, to not only, but to honoring. But there are times in my marriage where I'm like, and we, we, have, we should do this. We should do this because I know how much it would mean to my family. And then there are times when I'm like, mom, dad, I just can't do this. Like, I just, I can't go be at that thing. I would love to. I really would, but I just can't because of X, Y, and Z. And so being a kid is tough. I know being a kid is hard. Even as an adult, parenting adult kids, I have heard is tough. I have not done that yet. And so this is so important about being children who love, respect, honor, and up until a point, obey everything that our parents tell us to. And so let, let's start now talking to the parents. One of the things that is most important to me and who I am is that I am Ryan and Paige's dad. Here's a picture of me and Ryan and some more pictures for us today. This was taken, uh, I think like a week or a week or two ago. I took Ryan to the Uber waiting parking lot at the Newark airport because I had been there so many times before and because I knew the planes fly right overhead. And I just got my son, I brought him to something I knew he would love and I sat him on my lap in the car and we, for like an hour, just watched planes come in every three minutes. And it was just, the look on his face filled my heart with so much joy. I enjoyed it, of course, but I was enjoying it because I was there with him and the, the, man, the smile on his face that whole time filled my entire heart so big. Look at that smile on that boy who just knows 
He is with his dad who loves him. And then this is a picture of my daughter Paige. Paige is the girl that I've always dreamt of having. I love her so dearly. I don't even know her well enough yet. She's just turned nine months. So her personality is only like really shining, starting to shine now. And I don't know this girl, but she has my heart. I will always be a Christian first. I will always be a Christ follower first. Then after that, I am always going to be Anne's husband. That is the second most central thing to who I am. I am Anne's husband before I am a father. But then third, the third most centered thing in my identity is that I am Ryan and Paige's dad, and I just so love them. And so I want to do this well. I want to be this dad that nourishes them to be who they were, who God made them to be, while also teaching them about God. And so let's turn to God's word here. Verse four, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right off the bat, Ryan Dominguez and I were talking about this in staff meeting. So let's just make it really clear. This isn't just a call to fathers. The term there, patres, often refers to fathers and mothers, depending on the context. And the ESV only says fathers. Many other translations says uh, parents or father and mother. And, and I agree with that more. So this is a call for all of us, fathers and mothers. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Here, just like when Paul talks about the husbands, he's giving authority and restricting it. He's saying, you know what, the authority is given and it's right to be given, but it, can, it should only be exercised in these contexts. So parents, you have authority. Look at your children. Remember what it was like to be a child. Remember how difficult it is. Remember the pressures of fitting in, of being liked, of not even having the physical, mental recourses to deal with all, all of what life is throwing you. Remember all of that. Remember what it's like to be a kid and then build a home to nourish them towards three things. Don't mis misuse your authority. Don't lord over your kids. Don't suppress them. Don't extinguish the greatness that God has put in them. But do these three things. First, bring them up. The word here in the Greek is, is to nourish or feed. That's why I keep on saying nourishing. So feed them. What are you feeding them? Are you feeding them a good life? Are you feeding them... God, are you feeding them love and respect? Is the diet that you have over their life one that is going to help them? Or is it oppressive? Is it stifling? Is it too controlling? And is it just coming out of a place of being hurt? The first one is nurture, nourish, nurture, feed. What are you feeding them? The second one is because we're not, never, we're never supposed to be like utterly wild and aimless discipline. Teach them, put discipline into their life. And here, this word here is training or actually like physically spanking. And whether you want to spank your kids or not, whether whatever your opinions on there is discipline. Discipline your kids to know that not everything is okay, that we shouldn't be totally wild. Only Jesus can be wild and sinless at the same time. It's like, no, like there's boundaries to life. There's boundaries to what's good. Give them good Christian values and don't stifle them. Give them freedom but also rein them in, teach them that life isn't just what you want all the time. Who wants a bratty kid? Also, teach them discipline. That discipline can be a good thing if it's not lordship. And then the last one is instruction. 
And here, this is this education, verbal education. Teach them about Christ. Teach them embody Christ, the life that he lived. Show them the life that you always wanted as a kid. Think about this like perfect picture of a parent. Then put Jesus in there and like teach them Christian values. Bring up them up to know. Like Ann and I always talk like, are we like brainwashing our kids to only know Christ? And I'm like, no, but how can I not give my son what I think is the best thing in this world? How can we not give them Christ who brought me out of death and taught me everything of value in this world? How can I not give them the best of what I have ever found? And so true education is stimulation. It's being this parent who gives them this environment of love, respect, and then discipline, and also teaching them about Christ by telling him about his story, what he did, this beautiful book that he left us, and also by embodying him. I really, really feel in my heart that, unfortunately, so many people who say no to God are not actually saying no to God, but they're saying no to their own parents. They hear God call himself a, a father. And they're like, my father was horrible. I want nothing to do with my father. I want nothing that he gave me. Or mother, too. Some, of, some people react to their moms. like, no, I don't want any of that. If God is a parent, I want nothing to do with that. And that's so sad and unfortunate because the safest place in this world should be a father and a mother's arms in a home should be the most safe environment. And so let us be parents, whether we have our own kids or we want to be parents or whether we're spiritual parents, like let us let it apply to all of these areas. Some of us will only ever be spiritual parents. And so how do we build and nourish people towards Christ? Not just by tell evangelizing, but by giving people a home. That's our first call as a church is to find home. So let's conclude this all a little bit. Let's, let's try and make this make sense a little bit together. I feel this real strong desire in my heart to pray about starting a process of healing over our whole church. And we're obviously limited doing it like this. But, let, but I don't think that that should just not make us start this journey right now. Let's talk about a parenting story in the Gospels that Jesus shared. Let's go to the most famous one, the prodigal son. In Luke 15, Jesus tells this story about this son who goes to his dad. He says, you know what, give me my inheritance, which in their culture meant, I, I wish you were dead. Just, die, just like die to me. Give me your money. I want nothing to do with you. I just want your money. And I'm going to take it somewhere else. This kid was a nasty, bad son. He was not a, a kid from the first three verses here who obeyed and honored, loved, and respected his parents. So he said, you know what, I want you to be dead. Just give me your money. That's all I want. And he goes off and he, the dad lets him. For some reason, we're not, give, we're not showing his motivation, but we're, he does that. And the son squanders everything that he was given. He goes like to probably, there's only a couple of metaphors, a couple of themes that we could add on to make this story worse. He ends up in the worst Jewish environment possible in a foreign land, taking care of pigs, the dirtiest animal, and eating their leftovers, like in the mud. I don't think it gets any worse than that if you were a Jewish man or a Jewish woman. And yet, he comes to his senses around, around verse 19 and 20. He's like, man, even my dad's servants live better than this. 
And so I don't think he finds true repentance, but he goes back to, he like swallows his pride enough to at least go back. And then when he gets there, his dad sees him from afar. And he does something that was unthinkable for a Jewish man at that time. He books it and he takes off. He runs to his son. He runs to his son. He embraces him. He loves him. He restores him. Because he knows that one, if the elders got to him before he did at the gate, they would kill him and they would have rightly done so according to their law. They would have killed him and, and his dad loved his son so much that he ran, he humiliated himself, he humbled himself and he ran after his son. He put a ring on him, which meant you are still, he restored his sonship. He put a robe on him, he made him beautiful, he made him warm, he gave him a home again, he made him belong. He, he had a barbecue for him, he celebrated his son's return because he was practically dead and now he was back. And then in the story, we see the father's heart for parenting, for his love for us, that gee, God himself did this to us. He sacrificed his one and only son to have me again, to have you again, to have the entire world again. He so loved us that he gave everything for us. And so that is the call of parenting over a Christian's life to restore our kids, to forgive our kids, to love and respect the craftsmanship that God has made in these beautiful little vessels. And then also to be a child and look up to our parents, God and also our parents and give them mercy and respect and grace and work through forgiveness, not just forget, forgive and forget now, that's not that, but like work towards forgiveness, work towards rehabilitation no matter if that's the hardest thing to do, but there's a whole process to get there. And so I want to pray for healing over our church in two areas. To start a process of healing as children. Because some of us have only experienced pain from our parents. Unfortunately, this relationship that was supposed to be the safest, loving, most welcoming environment turned into the worst, the most abusive, the most hurtful, the most harmful. Some of us had great parents, but even the best of parents are just people and they sin. And so we still have things to work through from our own parents that we realize the things that we do are just a reaction from feeling like how we did when we were kids. And so we all need father wounding prayers. We all need mother wounding prayers. We all need healing. And so I'm going to pray for us as children to after some time of exercising spiritual power and awareness and getting to be strong and realizing where Christ was that we would be able to hold no burdens from our own parents. And then for those of us who are parents, those of us who wanna be parents, and those of us who are called, which is all of us to be spiritual parents, for us to know that the aim is to build nourishing spiritual homes for our kids, for anyone that we gain authority over. That I want to I want to end family sins that are carried on in my family so Ryan and Paige don't bring it to their family. I want to create healthy kids. Lord, help me because I don't really know how to do that and I know that I'm hurt in certain areas and I need you to help me to do that. And so let's just pray. We're just going to pray right now. I'm just going to pray. That's all we can do right now. 
But I want us to have these spiritual experiences around pursuing healing as kids and as parents. And so we'll do some of that on our, on our call after this. By the way, we're joining one joint Zoom call after this, after the prompt question. So everyone click on that, click on that button, join the Zoom call because we want to be processing being in this church together. And so let, let me pray for us. Lord, uh, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your Father's heart. I thank you that you so love us as a dad, a perfect heavenly dad. Abba, Father, that we can call out to you. Abba, I need you. I need you to come. And so, Lord, I, I just feel in, in your spirit you saying to pray healing over those of us who have been so hurt by our parents. Those of us who have been on purpose hurt, abused, mocked, provoked to anger. And those of us who just on accident or because they were weak at certain times, just been hurt by our parents. Lord, bring healing into our lives so that we can be free, so that freedom is ours, whether it's ever offered to them or not, but that we are free people. And Lord, then I also pray for us as parents, those of us who have our own little kids, our own little beauties, and those of us who are called to be parents spiritually over other people, for us to experience healing, to know how to create these homes to nourish other people, to bring up people and to, to be who you made them to be, and then to also find you. Lord, establish us as strong, mighty parents in your kingdom, every single one of us, whether we ever have kids of our own or not. Lord, I, I know that your call for us being parents is so beautiful and it's so shocking at times as well. So start this process, Holy Spirit. Bring to mind to all of us those who, who need healing as, as children and where, and also as parents and how to do it. Lord, let us as a church start this process of getting to be more in touch with our emotions so that we can pursue this in you in Christ. I pray for all these things in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen, church. Here are some prompt questions for us to wrestle together either throughout the week or on our call in a few minutes. Prompt question number one. Where do you need healing as a child? Where do you carry parental wounds in your life that you know you just need God's clarity on and you need more than clarity but just his freedom where do you need to find healing from your child experiences being a child question number two where do you need healing as a parent or as someone who wants to be a parent what do you need redeemed in your heart from your experiences your past wounds or just confusion going forward like where do you need god to speak to you powerfully so that you can parent in the way that he's made you to do that and then prompt question number three it's just simply, how has God been a good dad to you? How has he shown himself to be a loving Abba in your life? All right, church, let's get on this call. We're having one joint call. Next week, we're going to be at the park at City Light Beta at a new time, 10.30 a.m. And so if you go on Google Maps, just go type in uh, City Life Beta and it'll give you the exact location. If not, it's going to be all over our social media. And so, church, we love you. We love all, every part of what it means for us to be this family together. 
So let's jump on this call. We'll see you in our MCs, and then we'll see you next week. Happy early Mother's Day to all you mothers. All right. Bye, church.